0: Hello and welcome to Unofficial Art Therapy. This is Dr Liz. Joining me on the line soon is Coomsey and somebody we had a lot of fun with, Adam Richard, the fabulous Adam Richard. He's a comedian here in Australia. If you are listening somewhere else, he's really fantastic. We had a fantastic time with him. We got a bit rude because that's what happens when you're with the fabulous Adam Richard. But we talked... Apart from talking about rude things, we also talked about the art of comedy, how it works as a therapy, but also just how it works in general. So hopefully you'll have a good screaming laugh with us like we did. And again, do mind some of the rude words and concepts. Um, We acknowledge that we are on unceded Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. As always too, we are not proper medical professionals. So if there's anything that you do need, please do reach out. Do take care and do remember to turn your phone off when you're recording something. See you later. How are you, friends? Nah.
1: Kimsey, how are you?
2: Let's just say it was a very, very ordinary night. Oh, no. With some major uh, body heating up at 38 and a half at one stage. and oh. It took about three hours. Yeah, it felt really hot in the face, about one thirty, and... I better check this. I went mean, half three hour and a half. I better break this. <laughs> yeah, it took about three hours till I dropped it down a little bit and then, um, finally got a little bit of sleep and not a lot. But uh, everyone here's got
1: a cold as oh. I said. like Lola started yesterday. Janine, I no was like,
2: I've got nothing.
1: Everyone in Melbourne has a cold at the moment, like half of our office is out, it's all everywhere. Yep, yeah. but otherwise. <clears throat>
0: Babies are germ factories. That's right. what they do.
1: Oh, my God. They are so. <laughs> <And> they <laughs> roll around with other dirty babies.
0: <laughs> they do. Well, the fav- dirt. <laughs> well, my favorite thing, too, in the height of COVID, because I had a teeny tiny baby then and a hmm. two-year-old. And, you know, you wouldn't have to think about the number of times you just have to say in your life to another human being, don't link that fence. <laughs> you know? But it is part of family Don't put
1: that in your mouth or, or, or
0: all of it, or none of it or, you know, My, my father, mother
1: used to say that to me right up until my 30s um. <laughs>
0: Then she gave up And
1: then she died oh.
0: <laughs> She's still haunting you somewhere
1: She was exhausted She's like, oh, I but can't say could, it oh, anymore. <laughs> Did she not know
0: what you had done for a career?
1: <laughs> no, she died a week after my first stand-up gig. Oh my goodness! Oh wow! I know. Wow. Trauma. Trauma. And
0: you, I, mean, <laughs> do you, I assume you talked about it so you could claim her on your tax. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she she told everyone when I did like I did a gig. She goes, "Oh yeah, Adam's doing stand-up comedy now, using all my jokes." Is <laughs> that <laughs> hey, Thanks, Mum. Don't even let me have this.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you took her life force. What do you expect?
1: I know. I I caused an episiotomy scar that went from one end to the other. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. I created a, the bowling ball. Uh, so that's
0: good to know that your mum tells you that because my kids, most my kids were caesareans, sorry to share, but they know the scar.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Because, and, you know, there's there's lots of gross reasons why they know the scar, but they know the scar. So, you yes. know, it's good to know that other women have said <laughs>
1: She oh named yeah. me <laughs> that your <laughs> giant head that's right <laughs> she was your she Mama. was a bit out of it and she said um she said to the doctor how many stitches he's like oh i stopped counting a long time ago like, LAUGHTER
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember my mum saying to me, depending on how naughty I was, oh, I was in labour for forty-two hours with you. Oh, I was in labour for ninety-six hours with uh, you. Up it went. <laughs> yeah, and my kids now they say, "Mummy, why have you got a big tummy?" I'm like, "Because you. It was your house, and you did it was not. Your clean fault. Up. You did not clean up after <laughs> yourself. That's it's your what
1: happens. <laughs> it was your house.
0: Come on." <laughs> It was no, your pillow fort
1: it. and it's destroyed. That's <laughs> right. That's right. in
0: the bedroom or you're going to end up with a massive gut. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any idea what you've gotten yourself into, by the way? Adam? Uh, do you have any idea what we're doing no. here? Well, I mean, no. we're working it out too, aren't we, Coonsie? <laughs> yeah, we're getting
2: there. Yeah, so <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the concept is unofficial art therapy, but we're just talking about stuff that we do in a completely unmedical way that kind of makes us feel good. And mm-hmm. comedy is obviously a thing that makes us feel yes. good. And you're a man that does the comedy.
1: Well, not anymore, love. but I, I have done. <laughs> I participate in idea, comedy.
2: <laughs> we're seeing it from that side because you're multidisciplinary where you stand up, you write, you know. So all those things are really fascinating to people. Who just see a comedian get up and do something and they don't think of all the peripheral work that goes on with it. So much work.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so you, much hard work. Can, you, can, can, you, can, can get, go? Well, no, you go can, can I I just I just want to tell you how I met Adam. Aware and I've got two stories that are just poles apart. You may, not remember. you may not remember either of them, but I, How can you it meet me twice? Shelf?
1: I don't understand. It's once or not. Uh, no, no, no. I
2: mean, <laughs> you were know, once twice, I, three yeah, no, times sorry.
0: lady, doll. That's how
1: do. <laughs> Schrodinger's I meeting.
2: <laughs> I met him and I have two good stories. Oh, I uh, okay. <laughs> So uh, it was at the shelf at the top in town. Oh,
1: my God. The shelf was the best fun ever. Like That's why I kept going back. Yeah, well, everyone kept coming back. Remember the queue? It was like a de- yeah. deranged queue because there were only a limited number of se- seats and it was, then it yep. was standing room and yep. hardcore comedy nerds would get there at like 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock show and, and line up. <laughs> I yep. love nerds so
0: much. I love nerds.
2: I went there because of Harley Brown. Harley had been the warm-up guy Harley. on Hilsey's show. Harley's and he said best. to me, yeah, he said to me, I'm doing a gig, uh, full stand-up at this place, the shelf, the top in town, come along. So I didn't. Harley was brilliant, of course. And then yeah. I really enjoyed it. So um, keep going back. But one night, um, there's a new trio called uh,
1: Auntie Donna were just starting. Oh, yes. We had them on every week for about a season, I think. And they were insane. Mm. Absolutely insane. Demented. And,
2: <laughs> yep. They, they Do come down into the audience. Well, Yep. They come down into the audience, you know and just ask everyone to stand up. Mm. And for whatever reason, they, they decide to grab me mm. and just formed a little um, conga line with them <laughs> heading towards stage. Adam was on the side of stage frantically going, no, no, <laughs> waving hands, tr- trying to get their attention. Not him, not him. Not games And they here. were just waving back. And they are like, they are totally lost. I remember looking over at one stage to the side and Adam's like, head down, <laughs> hand on his thing. And he, looked I was up more, and he
1: looked at me. <laughs> I was more afraid you were going to get naked sorry. at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't get His pants won't stay <laughs> on.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, you were going, sorry. <laughs> and all they'd done was when I got on stage, Brogan said, whispered, what's your name? I said, Craig. They started chanting, Craig, 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 and dancing around me for about a minute doing that. And then, and they went, that's it, go back to your seat. And as I was going back, I was going, am sorry, mate. After I said, oh, good, they didn't hurt me and whatnot. Yeah. But the other story, which is absolutely pulled apart, was the Lent Cafe Siege night. Oh, right. Man, oh, man. That had, it was just a horrible, horrible day. And, mm. and this show was on that night. We wanted in and Justin started and he said, okay, we're going to address what's happened. We need to. But not in a funny way. We're gonna talk about this. And I remember he walked down into the audience and he was talking about what was going on and what was happening and human emotion, all this. You could hear a pin drop. Mm. And then Adam also spoke part of it as well. And there was just utter silence from everybody. This is a comedy mm. night. You're expecting, you know, to laugh and whatnot. But the way this was conducted was just one of the most spine tingling things ever because when they finished speaking, they just said, what we're going to do now is just going to pause for a minute. You you can do whatever you want in your head. And and then I remember saying, then after that, we're here for comedy. That's what you're going to get. So the minute went by. And then, (laughs) true to it, Adam introduced the start of the show and... um, a beautiful laugh, and all of a sudden we are in the comedy room. It was just the transformation was beautiful and so respectful in how it was done. I, I, I remember that saying to uh, who was I with? My mate Greg Whittle. I remember saying to him, "I'm I'm never going to forget tonight." And he goes, "Me either." Oh wow! He said the, the the power of how they done it, and then went on with the show, which was flipping hysterical, always was, and it was always great fun. So, yeah, b- very
1: different sort of... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a very selfish thing to do, really. It's like, we want people to laugh, but it, that's going to be hanging in the air, so let's get it out like a fart.
0: <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I, I like it, though. Like, pretty pretty can, much. Can you tell me, Adam, about, like, because you mentioned your first gig and we can talk about that if you wanted to, mm. but how you go from that kind of crowd control because to me the MC has got like five different jobs.
1: You oh know, my god it's MC. Like,
0: you know, you're bringing people in, you're keeping the vibe up you're always, you know, on suicide watch if something happens <laughs> you know what I mean? By the audience yeah. or, by the, or by the performer if somebody shits mm. themselves literally or not. Yep. Plus you've got your own shit going on. Like how, yeah. can you tell me about how you do that?
1: Um Practice. <laughs> um so the first time
0: was <laughs> it terrible
1: though? Like I mean <laughs> No, no. The first time I MCed was like I was quite bullshit about it. Um I was offered a, a split MC um at the S B and I was like, nah, the whole thing, mate. <laughs> 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 uh, which is like a two and a half, maybe three hour show at the S B. It's a long, Whoa. like a long uh, afternoon. It was like would start Sunday Avo's like about Three, four in the afternoon, just keep going until we drank all the beer. Basically, um <laughs> so yeah, and I literally ran out of jokes towards the end. Like at one point, I just walked on stage with no pants, and I'm like, "Do you ever get the feeling you've forgotten something?"
0: Anyway, uh, <laughs> here's our next. <laughs> <date>. <laughs> you know that's why men are funnier, don't you? Because you've always got the extra joke that yeah. we have. Tits aren't funny. Yeah. Vulvas oh no! I had, on. I had underpants <laughs> on. I
1: had underpants on. I thought you were going the full coomsey.
0: I thought that's that. I how wasn't used going the full coomsey. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's only for special people. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have chucked the odd brown eye, like four hundred and twenty. <laughs> <at least>. uh, <laughs> Classic. Been reported to HR. Classic.
3: <laughs> <for them>. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole. I used master, to do pressed hams.
1: I used to do pressed hams on the on the window of the recording studio at the radio station. <laughs> I worked, like, with alarming regularity. (laughs) yeah, I've got all these these recording files of, like, lovely Troy Ellis, who used to host the Powerball and how he was our anchor on the Matt and Joe show in Melbourne um, for a long time. Uh, He would be doing his Powerball ads in (laughs) in the recording studio. You just hear, (laughs) oh, tonight the jackpot on, oh! (laughs) 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 Just as he clocked my bare ass on the window.
0: (laughs) Awesome, we have a moment? Do you know the other one? But, but, mm. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, can we have a moment for the pool person that had to clean that glass? Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Pins, I'm like, I'm like a toddler. I have no care,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no responsibility. I was just saying, do you know the? Uh, so you call a brown eye, but do you know what the the, the front flash is called? No, no. O-s-eye.
0: What is What that? eye?
2: It's called an ossie. An osai Oss Os- Osai. So ossai. you just stand there, pull the shorts across, hey! pop it back in. But it had to be given a name because spreading the bum cheeks was a brown eye. So for whatever reason, the front version is called an Ossai. I, I kid you not. Can you spell for me? I've never tried to, but I'm assuming
1: O-double-S. Ossai.
3: Okay.
1: I'm, I'm it's it's not the James Bond Goldener. <laughs>
3: I'm too scared to Google it at work to find out.
2: You know, yeah, yeah. Not, I, I'm going to lose my job. A, yeah, it might be something. Yeah, so there you go. You, you've learned something. <laughs> I you know? did.
0: And is that now? Is that? Are we living? Is this a? Is this just a, a boy situation? What happens if it's, if, a, if a lady if a lady does that?
2: What well, she does, a lady doodle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the
0: or lady a non, doodle. Or a, non, a non-gender-conforming oh. person, a non-penis owner.
2: <laughs> um, Hello, somebody, I, I don't know because I've never heard of one
1: a lady doing such shopping, a thing. Surely, <laughs> surely
0: what makes you think? surely,
1: surely it would be the gash flash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard it called the
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's that is right. outrageous. <laughs> so we, we're gonna
0: copyright that right now, aren't we? Gash flash. Oh, <laughs> gash flash. <never laughs> my favourite the horizontal smile. And I do love, <laughs> oh, I love that and one. I do love the hairy checkbook as well. That one's quite, oh. quite um, delightful and feminine. I thought also. the Harry
1: Checkbook <laughs> kind of implied. Um... You know, um, a transactional
3: yes. business.
1: Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, I paid for that with a hairy chequebook, yes. as in, you know, it was free, sort yes. of. That's right. Nothing's isn't it You always pay in
3: the end.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, gosh. I had what to put rip-off. out to get that one.
0: Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a chequebook for boys, though.
1: No. I don't, I don't well,
0: know. well, maybe no. depending, on what, depending on what you want to check. Where's your book? Where's the? I've,
1: I've done. I've done a made a favorite once or twice. <laughs> 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 to get something in return. <laughs> That's for free. So, so i this bookshelf <laughs>
0: for the tape friends. This <laughs> is going to work well. Audio only. So, tell me. Can you tell me then? Like the first. Do you want to tell us about your first stand-up gig?
1: Uh, my first gig, again, was quite pushy. Uh, I was at a Christmas party. Um, Tim Ross had, was hosting a Christmas party, from formerly from American Rosso, now from architecture shows on the ABC. Uh, and so I knew Tim through a bunch of people who all went to La Trobe Uni. I went to La Trobe Uni for... I think three weeks. Um, <laughs> anyway, I got up before I had to get a Hextet, Uh in 1991. <laughs> Hence the reason I'm at 52 studying at UTS right now. Uh, <laughs> how we met.
0: How it's lovely. Like. Yes. and <laughs> breaking all kinds of rules doing this. It's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, I... So, I knew all these people from the Trobe. And one of them, uh, my mate, Jed Wood, uh, was running a comedy night. And I'd done a couple of, like sort of comedy things and spoken word stuff. I was studying uh, professional writing and editing at RMIT at TAFE. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'd done a bunch of performance kind of things. Uh, and Jed said, you know, there's no gay comedians. You should do it. And I was like,
3: oh, God,
1: I just I don't want to. Um, but I had been going to a lot of gigs. I was very good friends with Corinne Grant, and she had been doing a lot of stand-up and the, at the time, so this was like maybe 95, 96, uh, there would usually only be one woman on the bill and Corinne did not feel incredibly safe backstage so would kind of drag me along with her to gig. So it's like, well, there's someone there if anything goes down. Um, and, I mean, that was never said out loud, but, you it's know. you could though, isn't it? God. You could, you could feel yeah. it. Like, you yeah. could just kind of feel like, Oh, can you come to this gig with me? I said, yeah, sure. Um, so I'd gone to a lot of gigs and had seen a lot of very homophobic material on stage. Like, you know, there were easy go- jokes to make. Um, you know, I don't have anything against the majority of people making them. There's one or two that I can't stand. Um, mm. But, yeah, so I was like, oh, someone needs to do something about this. But, you know, when when are we going to see a gay comedian? And then when Jed said you should do a gig, I was like, Oh, it's going to have to be me. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: the torchbearer, the lamplighter.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: Can I make a flaming joke or does that put me in line with one of those? No, th- go a, fl- a, flame, a flame holder,
1: so to speak. A flame. <laughs> the flamer. Um, but yeah, I. so yeah, I, Jed said, Oh, well, do you want to do? I said, oh, All right, I'll do a gig at this Christmas party. He goes, All right, I'll book you in for March. I was like, No, no, on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> like this weekend. So <laughs> he's good. like, all right, if you reckon. I was like, yeah, I can get 5 minutes together by this weekend. It'll be fine. And I did because <laughs> I'm amazing. Uh- <laughs> True. True.
0: Do you reckon it's so, yeah. how much of it is just that blind faith and confidence, like not getting in your own head?
1: Well, Ooh, part yeah. of it was like I didn't I wanted to do it quickly because I thought if I tell anyone about it, then I won't, you know, trust myself like I'm yeah. very You know, like most performers, I'm very, um, you know, it's it's on one extreme really pushy and more front than Maya and on the other just believe I have no ability whatsoever. So (laughs) I thought if there were people there that I knew... Or, and knew me, then I wouldn't believe that I was funny because it's like, well, they always laugh at everything I say, so it doesn't count. So, yeah, part of it was like if it's a room full of strangers and it still works, then maybe I'm actually funny and I'm not just funny to my friends. Um, so, yeah, and that was a big eye-opener. I'm like, oh, I'm actually hilarious. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was December 96. Wow. It was a very long time.
0: And how long lady. did you... No, good but do you still count yourself as a comedian or consider yourself a
1: comedian? Um, yeah, I mean, I work in yeah. comedy, but I just don't do solo stand-up anymore. I mean, I'm doing a gig uh, next week, uh, which is the first gig I've done since September last year. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> <laughs> one gig a year. It's a busy schedule. I can barely keep <laughs> up with myself.
0: <laughs> but that was Beyonce for a long time, wasn't it? Like one every 10 or the, or the avalanche? Yeah. Is like one every 10 years or yeah. something. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Build
2: up. I, right. it's,
0: yeah. Sorry, Coonsie. I found,
2: it inter- I found it interesting one thing you said there. Mm. That now you've gone back to study again at age 42. 52,
1: but bless you. <laughs> 29 Kimsey. <laughs> I'm
2: l- I'm looking at you
1: Bingo. you ain't fi- you ain't 52 so I've been 52 <laughs> since January I had a fall on my 52nd birthday Kimsey. Oh, I know it's, I know it's it's, it's a big eye opener for how much in your 50s you are when you are still recovering 8 months later <laughs> so. remember isn't that um the that, that thing is at, at our at my age
2: I'm nearly 60 you're 29 <laughs> if, uh, if you fell over, that's funny. But if yeah. you've had a fall, <laughs> yeah. oh, you poor thing. So it's a very big distinct line like, oh. oh, you did, you fell over. Yeah. Oh, I was just walking, and for whatever reason, I've had a fall. Yeah. So, oh, you poor thing. We'll get this thing on your hand. We'll get a buzzer attached around oh, your neck. Don't. We'll get a camera on your head. Make sure you're okay. <laughs> I was in the fall so, yes, at
1: the hospital. <laughs>
2: Yes, so I that was, so. My question, sorry, I mm. digressed. Why at fifty-two? All right, we'll mm. give you that. Have you decided to go back and study now?
1: Uh, oh, it was expediency more than anything. Like I, during the pandemic, um, I had to go on to like work kept getting pushed back and pushed back, like because we didn't know when we'd be able to go into production. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll just have to find a job. Because I went onto the dole for all of six minutes, which is even more horrific now than it was when I was in my 20s. Um, and they make you go on like a government LinkedIn. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so you have to like go and look for jobs on this government LinkedIn, which is even more ridiculous than LinkedIn. Uh, and all the jobs I was overqualified for, I technically was unqualified for because I didn't have a degree like I'd managed uh-huh. to get to this age without finishing any of the courses that I started <laughs> not even a diploma not even a cert format <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I um, like I didn't even finish with the RMIT course that I did for three years
0: <laughs> oh, honey, we've got to what,
1: what are you, now. you studying now uh, I'm a creative writing student doing a bachelor of communications so wow yeah Adam's Well, you right? good at still that? Yeah. Terrible at communication.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's our fault. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> People get no. despite us. No, that's how we met, Coombsy because yeah. I I did a hmm. lecture, a guest lecture, well, which was recorded, I think during mm. COVID or just after it. But I remember, you know, and then I got this email from Adam, and I saw the name Adam Richard, and you'd said, oh, but you know, because can't I, be I, that one, surely. I, well, exactly. Yeah. I thought there can't be more than one. Because I'm a massive fan, this is the thing, so I had a real fangirl moment, because before that, and yep. we've talked about this, but I mm. subtly harassed Adam at a podcasting conference, one of the OzPod things at the ABC, because I love, 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 I've loved you in many things, but I love, mm. love, love Talking Puffy in particular. Oh. So much, so much that I nearly you're talking about having a fall. I nearly broke everything (laughs) on a treadmill (laughs) at South's Juniors Gym. So, all of the buffy, you know, rugby league boys around me, I'm the the Uh, fact that my ass is running on (laughs) my treadmill, doing her best, listening to the filthiest filth of (laughs) all the filth that's ever been filth. The wrongest podcast that's ever been made. Every bloody second of it. So, you know, (laughs) when you emailed me and said, Oh, I'm like, Oh my God, that's the same guy.
2: I got that surprise. (laughs) Yeah, well, when when I think you posted something on on Twitter or whatever it is, and then Adam replied, what? (laughs) How do these two know each other? What's going on? How do you know Adam? (laughs) And I thought, isn't this a wonderful world? Worlds collide. (laughs) And then when I dropped a message the other week saying, "Um, look, is there any chance that you do this for us? And you said, absolutely. But Yeah, um, thank you. And you said, but I'm sure there are other people more high profile, better than me, or whatever. I thought,
1: well, when we thought I'm more fun and available. I get that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else has made me nearly literally break my nose on a treadmill. Just as you know. Just Billy Connolly, nah. Robin Williams, forget about it. Back in the day, you know, all of the other Adams and the wheels for that matter. No, only you. I will.
1: I will say that talking Puffy or the poofcast. Like yes. I've always said about Toby and Scott. Like they, there was. I feel like it was a gestalt ent- entity that none of us were ever as funny as we were in a group. Like there was. It, it was like, I mean, it was gay cubed essentially. <laughs> like that was it would just we would just push each other to do the wrongest and say the weirdest and most deranged things but also it was a strangely respectful situation like we were all very open about things that um you would normally kind of keep from your mates like uh you know like Toby was quite open about his um catholicism and how much it meant to him and you know being in a really strong relationship for what must be God nearly thirty years now. Um you know, that kind of it was just a really great space. And we used to get on really good guests like talking about sexuality and health and all that kind of thing in between Scott pretending to be a drag queen called Prue Laps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 as
1: Jesus who was a bit stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always imagined that was like John Hamm in 30 Rock. That was yes. a beautiful boy that yes. doesn't quite get it because he's so beautiful.
1: Yes. <laughs> and like, well, the, weird, uh, the hilarious thing was that Scott would ring us from outside the studio so we could see him through the window. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like he would just go out <laughs> into the corridor to make the phone call. <laughs> was a very well, strange the thing situation. is, Adam,
2: the reason why also when we thought about getting a guest on... Mm. Because of what you do and how you do it, and the many avenues that you've done it in, mm. which I find fascinating. Stop talking about and, my avenues. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: boys on See, i going to talking puffy land. <laughs> in
2: puffy And you were saying that you're available. I, oh, I, I, I could have got available. Adam. <laughs> oh, I got the other Adam. I could have got the other Adam. No problem. I could have got the Will Anderson dude. No problem. Both had a connection mm. that we thought was. You know, a different connection, but both have got enormous respect for how, what, why, and where, and everything in between you are,
3: oh, and bliss. what
2: you what you do. Well, that's the reason why. I don't know, maybe a year ago, now I decided I'm just going to send someone a message on Twitter
3: mm. to say
2: hello. It has it's been a long time, and I want to just keep in touch with this person. Mm. And I've got I don't know sixteen hundred there, and about thirty thousand somewhere else. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to close my eyes, and the first name that pops into my head <laughs> is a person I'm going to And it was you. Oh, bless. I remember sending a message, and then, you know, you're telling back about your fall, and you're showing me a scar on your knee, and then we oh, yeah. talking about your rehab and how you're going and, and all that. And then, you know, but the, here's the thing. Mm. Every time, every message, without fail, you ask how I was.
1: Well, yeah, because I spend a lot of time with comedians who never ask that question, mate. (laughs) I know what we're like. (laughs) And and I wasn't It's a conscious effort to not be a psychopath. I was like, Don't worry about
2: me. I want to know how you are. No, but I'm concerned about you. But I know that was nice. I'm I'm saying that was really nice. I know it wasn't nice. It was just me
1: trying not to be one of those other (laughs) artists. Well, I just didn't want you to think I was anything wealthy. like anyone else. <laughs> we could mention <laughs> no one else. <laughs> His name <laughs> might have come up already.
0: <laughs> I was going to say we don't, we don't have we don't have insurance. I've got I'm married to a lawyer, but I'd have to pay him. So, and we've talked about what method that might be. So, please let's just everybody keep it. Don't mind. defame yeah. no everyone. Department. No, allegedly. allegedly. I, can't, I can't
1: believe you've invited me on without public liability insurance.
0: You're in
1: trouble. <laughs> well,
3: technically,
0: I'm Does that count? I don't know.
1: Don't know. I'm in my office. I mean, technically, you're my teacher.
0: No, actually, well, I'm a well, member of staff. No, I don't think
1: yes. we. No, I don't I'm think a member of staff as well.
0: Yes, you are. Yes. I am. I'm a.
1: Do I'm you a teach as well, I don't. We're colleagues. I, I do peer peer tutoring. So, a couple of uh, I I tutor some of the students through Jambana, which is the uh, indigenous facility at UTS. So, um oh, yeah, about life. If I've got a high distinction in something, I'll go and tell someone else how I manage that. I mean I get a high distinction for everything. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, just see
0: it coming now. They use an algorithm. They don't even bother anymore. No, geez, it's like, no. oh, he's old.
1: He's old. He'll know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's how the rubric works. It's on a scale. <laughs> Do you find rubrics, yes. Yeah, when you're not when you're not doing like as opposed to stand up like writing comedy mm. and writing comedy for other yeah. people. Mm. Do you find there's – what's the difference between, say, writing jokes for other people or writing stuff, you know, for an ensemble as opposed to doing it yourself?
1: It's – I mean, it's all essentially the same because, like, it's – you know, my – I never thought of – like, I used to think of my stand-up character, for want of a better word, as, you know, I used to call him the fabulous Adam Richard as opposed to me, who was just Adam. Um, Or Ammon, as my little sister used to call me. Like, some people (laughs) still call me Ammon. (laughs) Um, so yeah I like I write for him in a very specific way uh, being me Um, and I you know my stand-up character has a very specific kind of arch voice Um, but yeah it's like if I'm writing stuff for Tom for Hard Quiz Hard
2: Quiz yeah
1: it's again you know he has such a singular voice it's hard not to write in his voice like it's actually kind of easy in a way because you're just like Oh, Tom wouldn't say this, this, this or this, but he would exactly say that. <laughs> so it's um, like, even with the That's questions, amazing, it's amazing skill. Yeah. Like even writing questions, it's like, well, you know, this, this word sounds a bit too, not that it would be outside Tom's vocabulary, but it would be outside Tom's on, on TV character vocabulary. Um, okay. Cause I, I don't want to spoil anything about hard quiz, but Yep. Tom, the person in the office, is the most delightful human you will ever meet, um, as opposed yep. to Tom, the arsehole on stage, who's mean <laughs> to every single person that comes <laughs> across him. Um, he's so clever. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. So, yeah, it's it's just a he's matter clever. of, like, yeah, if you can write for your own... Everyone has an on-stage persona, as much as people like to think they don't. Um, we all... It's a heightened version of ourselves when we're on stage, so... Yeah, you kind of it, – it's it, It's just finding the voice. It's like it's any kind of writing. Like, you know, you have to kind of slot in. Some people are no good at it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, finding a voice that, that works for whoever you're writing for. And if you're writing, uh, yeah, like narrative comedy, like that's a lot of different voices. Like that's um, a whole other skill because you – but you kind of find it like – as any writer will tell you, sometimes the characters just take over. Like you're not, you, you don't really even need to think about it. Like, it's just like, Oh, that person would never say that. And so you, you're trying to shoehorn things in there. You go, no, that really doesn't work. Cause I just can't hear it in their voice. And it's, it's the same thing with writing for Tom or writing for myself. It's like, yeah, no, I just, I can't, I can't sell that.
0: <laughs> Is that why you write a sitcom? It- so you can write lots of different voices. For yeah. All the gags. I
1: love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Cause you get to write like both sides of the dialogue instead of when you're doing stand up, you're, 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 ed- it's, yeah, it's a monologue unless you're talking to the audience, which this is my favorite thing. Um, I used to love teaching stand up. Like I would, like, it's the best fun. Um, and it, the question everyone would always ask is, you know, how do you do crowd work? Cause like, oh, all right, I'll do a class on crowd work. Um, so I got everyone, I was like, okay, everyone, the secret to crowd work is failure (laughs) because you go you talk to someone in the audience and just nothing funny comes out and it is just a boring conversation essentially and it's unentertaining it is unedifying it is just a really boring conversation and then on the way home from the gig you'll be driving and think oh you know what i should have said And you lock that away (laughs) and next time you talk to someone and they have – because people only have like a finite number of responses when they're like a rabbit in the headlight talking to a comedian on stage. They're like, they're freaked out. (laughs) Um, Also, your brain works three times faster with the adrenaline of being on stage. So, what feels like 14 minutes on stage sometimes will be about 30 seconds to the audience. Uh, So, next time someone says something, you've locked away that thing you thought of in the car on the way home from your previous failure at this attempt and it just comes out and you're like, Oh my God, how hilarious am I? It sounds like I just <laughs> thought of that then. I thought of that three months ago when some other did said that I had nothing. <laughs> and it just or- becomes like a collection of responses up in your head. And it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the more, the more, the better you get at it. And that's why Tom's so great at it. Cause he does it every single day. Like that's, you know, mm-hmm. he's talking to audience members and, you know, just being awful to them uh, in the most delightful <laughs> way every day for work. Like, you, you can't not be good at something that you do all the time. Like, yeah. it's... I a remember mistake. sitting
2: in a, on a class that you done or a, at the lounge one night when they were yeah, doing yeah. those Tuesday night things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's and... right. told everyone about the failure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I remember, clearly, um, I'd come up with what I thought was a good joke. Mm. So, I told the joke. mm and it was about me being in a coffin. I said, Mm. it's clearly going to be a Tuesday with my funeral and Mm. it's clearly going to be an open casket Mm. and obviously I'm going to be stark bollocky in the nut. And most people laughed and thought it was all right.
3: Mm.
2: Afterwards, you I want to talk about that joke.
3: Mm.
2: I don't like it. (laughs) And I went oh well, you're the, mo- I mean, I'll take notice <laughs> of you. So why don't you like it? And what? what's, I mean, everyone laughed their head off and goes, yep, yeah, fair enough. But here's the thing. He said, the first thing I got was an image of you in a coffin.
3: Mm.
2: And that's an image that makes me sad. And I totally forgot about the words. I just had this image of you and I don't want to see that. Mm. And you said, Imagine your family hearing that joke,
1: and I went, "Yeah, it's gone, never done again." And I've never done it again. I thought that was brilliant. It's yeah, there's a there's a way of doing that. Like I used to have a whole bit about um, uh, you know being in a coffin, Uh, but it was. I wasn't naked. I had my undies on. But also I was <laughs> on a rotisserie. And... <laughs>
0: was it a leather coffin? No.
1: <laughs> I was on a rotisserie spinning around while Better the Devil You Know played by Kylie. No, spinning around
0: by Kylie? Come on. Or was that too obvious?
1: That was too uh... obvious. <laughs> sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> sorry, Sensei. I mean, then I'd have, have to wear time. gold
1: shorts and no one could pull that off in a coffin. <laughs> so uh, what? <laughs> But yeah, it is it is a it's this is a thing that a lot of people especially new stand-ups don't ever think of the images they're creating. Like yes, you're alone on stage. Um, but what you wear is really important, what people see. Because that's their first point of contact, and like a lot of people just turn up in like a t-shirt that looks like they've picked it up off the floor and smelt it to make <laughs> sure it's not disgusting. Um, sometimes I don't even think they do that. Yeah, I was
0: gonna uh, say, I've seen some that have not.
1: <laughs> like there's a semiotics in uh, in performing stand up that you just don't understand. It's like some people leave the microphone stand in front of them and take the mic out of the stand. So you are basically being upstaged by an inanimate object. Like, (laughs) that's got more pride of place on stage than you do. Like, that says something subconsciously to the people in the audience because we've been to see a lot of theatre, we watch a lot of television, we've got all this unconscious visual language.
0: Um,
1: But also, when you paint a picture with words, you paint a picture. Like, people see that in their mind's eye and yeah it's uh it's a big thing to imagine someone uh, in a coffin without you know without a couple of courtesy fingers to prepare us for it <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's it's a valid um, thing to to bring up but yeah I it's it's awful to go straight into it like it's like if you if you did a run up to it uh, yeah. and maybe if it was a more of a comedic kind of um situation like instead of just... You know, I'm Coombsy, I'm nude on Tuesdays, and now I'm going to be yeah. nude on a Tuesday in my coffin. Like that's a that's that's a, a pretty powerful image to have in your head from someone, especially if someone knows you, like someone is familiar with you. It's like ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not comfortable with it. It's so <laughs> interesting yep. that, yeah, that well, it, I, it shows. I got rid of it layers,
0: straight it, away. It shows mm. the layers of comedy. Like I remember because I've written about comedy. I'm not. I'm that awful person that, you know, applied for raw comedy four times and every time pulled out because I just um, got total fucking stage fright. And I have. I did raw comedy that.
1: the second year it was on. <laughs> 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 got wow. to the national finals, still Of course did. <laughs> Lawrence Mooney and Damien so Callanan and Tahir. Oh, my gosh. And Subby <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> it was quite a year. <laughs>
0: Jeez,
1: what a year. Yeah. yeah,
0: I love, though, how, like, the layers of comedy. Wow. Like, in some ways it feels like it's nothing. But, mm. you know what I mean, it's just off the cuff. But you're right, it's the nuance. Like, we used to literally pull apart for a whole hour with students. Remember the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the famous chaser sketch? Yes. That, you know, they got yeah. into a lot of trouble. Well, McAuliffe made one that was actually really similar mm. around um, around world, uh, with, with the you know, the world worldwide famine. Um, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. But it was just... The 40-hour famine? Def- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was the subtle differences just in where he landed it, that made yep. all the difference. And if you hadn't spent an hour, like, I'd have a bunch of students saying we're paying for this. Like, what is this? You know? <laughs> we're pulling apart. And because jokes are funnier when you pull them apart, right?
1: Oh, yes. But so much funnier. Talking about comedy is always hilarious. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it is You try to
0: get 30, 18-year-olds who don't want to be there already and then do that. Man, if you think talk about crowd work. But it's so... It's so interesting, isn't it? Like, it's so interesting that just a teeny, like a teeny flick. It's like, I think it's like music. I think it's like you just have a a note out or a chord out and you're not quite there, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I, so I learned about stand up from doing, uh, theater writing with, um, the acclaimed playwright Peter Murray at RMIT. Uh, and. You know, it was based, It was a performance writing course. It was, you know, like part of the RMIT um, professional writing and editing class. And yeah. I, you know, she always used to talk about the, the iceberg, that what we mm. see on stage is the tip of the iceberg, but you still need to do all of the work. All well, the other stuff. Like the yeah. other 90% needs to be there because it's, you know, it's a foundation. And anything you do in stand-up has to have, all of that behind it. It's like, you can always tell like when someone's on stage and they're, I remember one of the, one of the most heartbreaking nights for um all the kids that would come to the comics lounge to learn how to do comedy was I, I crushed all of them, uh, <laughs> all of their spirits <laughs> by saying you need a reason to keep going. Because if you're here to become famous, yep. uh, get on Instagram and flounce around in your underpants with a six pack. Cause that's, yep that's the only really real way to become famous. There are like seven people in this country who can make a living just doing stand-up. And then people whose names you know, that's like Carl Barron, Will Anderson, Tom Gleason, like, you know, Judith Lucy. Like, these are the people you who make a living doing stand-up. The rest of us have to find other jobs because it just is not financially viable. Um, so it's mm. not a way to become famous. It's not a way to make money. Um, mm. So you, you have to have something to say like you have to feel like you are saying something that no one else is saying and that that being on stage is is the way to say that it's not in a book it's not in a a newspaper column it's not in in you know graffiti it's not in whatever medium that you could possibly choose to like the only way to say this thing is while people are slightly drunk and having a good time and you can somehow change their minds about something because otherwise (laughs) there are times when you, you know, someone in your family's died. Someone, you know, is going through a mental health crisis. Someone is, you know, been kicked out of their home and you've been dealing with someone in tears. You are feeling fragile yourself, but you have to turn up to work and be the Mm -hmm. funniest person in the room. In a room of 500 people, you have to be the funniest person there. And if you don't have a reason, if you don't have – Uh, a drive for why you're doing this, then that is... They're the nights where it becomes impossible, where you're just... Where kind of, you know, the Emperor will be revealed to be having... Not a stitch of clothing on. <laughs> or you just call in sick. Because <laughs> it's not a job you can call in sick to, realistically. Like, unless you've completely lost your voice and you're on stage going like that and nothing's coming out. Like, that is the only time, really. Because it's, yeah, like, people people are there to, to have a good time. And it's... Um, Yeah, you have to have a reason. Like, it's, you know, it's the only reason I kept doing radio for 10 years because getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning is awful. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, having a reason. I remember, I think it was Maria Bamford who said the best thing ever about stand-up comedy, which is, if there is a hole inside you, that is not a (laughs) comedy-shaped hole. (laughs) Um, uh, I
0: don't think we can top that And I'm also keeping an eye on the time uh, <laughs> well, we
2: I've also got a feeling oh, Sorry, I guess I've got a feeling I'm going to be smashed by people wanting a part two With Adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee to... you I'll get messages Saying
1: please yeah. Please bring him back So, I'll, more holes. You know me, I'll talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles All <laughs> the holes well, Adam, Stop saying holes <laughs> Sorry <laughs> Do you need a minute?
0: <laughs> Hands where I can see them. Um, <laughs> you're so you're so fantastic. Thank you, fabulous. Even thank you for being.
1: Bless you. Thank you for
0: talking to us. Yes, and, thank you. You know, very so so much. Fantastic.
1: Oh, anytime. Yep. Like just beautiful. You know, who's oh, coming <laughs> then? Oh no. <laughs> Let's record it now. No. <laughs> I don't have to go back to work at all. I really students do. <laughs> here,
2: <laughs> thank you so much, both of you. Thank you
0: Thanks, darling. guys. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Too. See you later. See you, guys. All right. Thank
2: all right. you. Bye. Bye. Bye, babe.
0: Bye,
2: babe. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, babe. Bye, babe.
3: <laughs>